Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together, verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we are on our last um, study of the book of Jeremiah. We'll start um, in chapter 49 and take it all the way down to the end. I believe that's down in uh, chapter 52. These are a series of prophecies that Jeremiah is um, giving to the people um, concerning a bunch of different countries and areas around uh, Jerusalem and around Israel. So to set the stage, once again, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's army from the kingdom of Babylon has invaded uh, they've taken over the the southern kingdom of Judah. That's the that's where Jerusalem is. That's kind of the last area to fall. Um, the Assyrians came in and took over the northern kingdom. That's uh, often referred to as uh, Israel. Um, but the northern kingdom has fallen. And then what happened was the Babylonians came in, and then they uh, they conquered the uh, Assyrian kingdom, uh, they conquered the um, the area where the Assyrians had conquered. So then the Babylonians came in and took over. But the southern kingdom had always been able to hold out. And, of course, that's where Jerusalem was. Then um, the uh, the nation tried to make uh, peace treaties with, with, um, with uh, Egypt and... Uh, to scare off the Babylonians from invading in the south. Um, of course, that didn't make the Babylonians scared. They came in anyway. But then when the Egyptian army comes marching out towards them, then they leave. They, they had surrounded Jerusalem. So then they leave Jerusalem and go off to, to um, fight off the Egyptians. The people were temporarily happy because they thought, oh, the Babylonians are going to leave and we're going to be saved. But then, of course, the Babylonians come back. So it's like you can't run from God's judgment. The people tried everything they could to maybe run from God's judgment. And so then eventually the Babylonians then take the city. They breach the city walls, burn the city, and then take all of the people of any worth captive back to Babylon. So we've got this remnant um, of people left. And then you had this um, Ishmael. Maybe it's a descendant of Ishmael. Who knows? But he was sort of a, an, 
official in the the sort of the puppet governor that they put in place and then he kills him he's tried to make like a mini revel mini revolt like he's going to try to take power because now you've got this power vacuum all the leadership that israel that jerusalem used to have is gone so then he gets chased off so now the people are stuck it's like they're even more afraid because there's the, the, the few people that are left are afraid. They don't know what to do. They're scared. They're hungry. Uh, where's food going to come from? Um, who's going to protect you? Where are you going to live? You know, everything's upside down. You know, have you ever, can, you, can you relate to some of this when your world is upside down? You don't know where you're going to live. You don't know where your next meal is going to come from. You just, you're just desolate. Everything you know is gone. You know, your hopes and dreams for the future, you don't even know what that is anymore. We sometimes take hopes and dreams for the future for granted. These people didn't have anything. Their hopes and dreams were just try to survive. It it cuts down to the to the to the quick. It cuts down to the law of the jungle. It's just now I'm just trying to live another day. I'm just trying to figure out what to do. God reduced these people found themselves in that predicament. They went from a powerful nation under King David now down to this. Everything's gone. All family and friends gone. Future, gone. Food, gone. Safety, gone. Everything's stripped away. So then Jeremiah the prophet tells them, look, they came to it, Jeremiah. You know, Jeremiah just got out of jail. He'd been in jail. The Babylonians were the ones who took him out of jail. They said, we'll take you back and treat you well, or you can stay with these, these this scraggly group of people. You know, and it was scraggly. They, if they had any value, the Babylonians would have taken them. So Jeremiah elects to stay with this poor little remnant of people. They come to him and say, what, are, what to do? And Jeremiah says, look, the word of the Lord's going to tell you, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He says to stay here and trust him. Trust him for your protection. You know, and sometimes that's what we need to hear too. When things are really bad, what are you supposed to do? Trust God. You know, are you kidding me? The Babylonians just came in here and took all, you know, took us over. You're asking us to trust God, you know, or or you're kidding me because you're asking us to trust God when when uh, this um, Ishmael, uh, this crazy guy came around and killed their their uh, governor. You know, he tried to take over and be important. And he killed him, and then we had to run him off. Now the Babylonians are going to come in and even punish us even worse. You're asking us to trust God? Are you kidding us? What kind of mess are we into now? Can you imagine what they were saying? Can you imagine what they were feeling? What would you have done? What would I have done? It's like, do you stay there, or do you try to do what you think is right? And sometimes that's hard to trust God in the middle of a disaster. But that's what God's message is. Trust me in the middle of a disaster. That's when you need me the most in the middle of a disaster. Now, your disaster could be cancer. It could be family devastation. It could be loss of loved ones. It could be loss of your career. It could be loss of your health. Whatever it is, God says, trust me. What did the people do? They did not trust God. They said, nope, 
we're going to go to Egypt. And that's what most of them did. They went to Egypt. And, and Jeremiah warned them. He says, if you go to Egypt, you're going to die in Egypt. They said, Egypt has food. Egypt has safety. There's nothing left for us here. We've got to go back there. We can at least find some protection. Because remember, Egypt had made a made some kind of treaty, you know, with with Judah, the southern kingdom, before this invasion. Let's go there. At least, you know, we'll have some protection. So ironically, the people go back to Egypt, the remnant of Israel, where they were originally in bondage and sin. So they, they, they reject sort of, ironically, the promised land. They leave the promised land, and they head back to the land which they had them in bondage to start with. And it's almost like they're rejecting God's promise. They're rejecting God's safety. They're rejecting God's protection for the promises of other men, for the treaties of other men, for the covenants of other men, for the protection of other men, for the safety of other men, for the blessings of food that comes from other men instead of all that that comes from God. Isn't that ironic? And all that effort from Moses all the way down to, to where they are there, and all God's efforts and all the prophets, they reject all, they just, they go back. They say, you know, it's better. Our future is there. It's not, the future is not with what God has told us. They rejected all of that. And even after the prophet Jeremiah had told them all these things are going to happen because they forsaked his teaching, they wouldn't listen. Even the fall of Jerusalem didn't, soften their hearts. So what happens is then um, King Nebuchadnezzar decides he's going to invade Egypt. So now the battle follows the nation Israel into Egypt. So ends up they have to experience another invasion and go through the horror of being recaptured again along with the nation of Egypt. So they couldn't even run from God's wrath. They couldn't even run from God's judgment. They couldn't run from God's will, purpose, and plan. And they could not run from the prophecy that Jeremiah had given them, that if you leave this place, you will die by the sword. And that's what happened. Then he also promised them that I won't, you all won't die. Their some will be spared. And that's God's promise. There's going to be some of you that's hearts that I know that will be spared. And that is the remnant that will eventually be able to return and restart the whole nation again. Amazing prophecy. So what he's telling them now, as we're looking at these last few chapters, he's telling them, don't even consider going to these other places because these other places are going to have my judgment as well. Chapter 49, thus uh, concerning the Ammonites, thus says the Lord. Verse 2, therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will cause the battle cry to be heard against Rabbi of the Ammonites. It shall become a desolate mound, and its villages shall be burnt with fire. Then Israel shall dispossess, dispossess those who dispossessed him, says the Lord. 
Ammon is an area where people lived, and it was a little bit um, east of the Dead Sea um, and the Jordan River. So it's kind of on the other side. And then there's a judgment on Edom. Now, Edom is, you've got the Ammonites, Ammon, then you've got the, uh, Moab and Edom. They're all on the east side of the Dead Sea. So it kind of goes Am, Ammon to the north, Moab sort of in the middle, uh, which is sort of most um, adjacent to the Dead Sea on the east side, and then you've got Edom below it. So concerning Edom, like if you're you're thinking about going to Edom, don't even think about it. Concerning Edom, verse 7 says the Lord of hosts, Is wisdom no more in Teman? Has counsel perished from the prudent? Has their wisdom vanished? So this is sort of a judgment on Edom. Uh, there's this famous city called Petra that uh, we still see the the ruins of Petra today. That was that famous city that was carved out of the clefts of the rock. Well, during this time, this this famous city of Petra was considered unconquerable because it was a city built out of the stone walls of the rock. I think Indiana Jones was the that famous city, you know, when, when they filmed the Indiana Jones. That was filmed, that was Petra. You know, that city that they rode their horses in through those narrow um, canyon walls, and they saw the city. This civilization was very prideful because they figured they were saying they were unconquerable. And, of course, God's going to bring down their pride, their sin, and God's going to say no one's ever going to live there in this great city. And even today, no one lives there. Petra. That was in southern part of Edom. So in verse 13, For I have sworn by myself, declares the Lord, that uh, Bozrah shall become a horror, a taunt, a waste, a curse, and all her cities shall be perpetual waste. The horror you inspire has deceived you in the pride of your heart. You who live in the clefts of the rock, who hold the height of the hill. Though you make your nest as high as the eagles, I'll bring you down from there, declares the Lord. Edom shall become a horror. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified and will hiss because of all its disasters. So it's like even today, there's people, I mean, nobody lives in Edom, nobody lives in Petra. And uh, people are scared to the locals because there's all these superstitions about, about Petra. As when Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring cities were overthrown, thus says the Lord, no man shall dwell there, no man shall sojourn in her. Verse 29, Therefore hear the plan that the Lord has made against Edom and the purposes that he has formed against the inhabitants of Teman. Even the little ones of the flock shall be dragged away. Surely their foes shall be appalled at their fate. So all of Edom is pretty much desolated, the, you know, the prophecy. And nobody really lives there. It's just all wasteland today anyway. Concerning Damascus. Now, Damascus is in, in Syria, present-day Syria. It's supposed to be the oldest city. So there's prophecy against Damascus. Verse 28, 
Kedar in the kingdoms of Hazar. It's going to be laid to waste. 33, Hazar shall become a haunt of jackals and everlasting waste. And then there's uh, judgments on Elam. Another, another area that God says, don't go there. I'm going to bring tragedy on this area too. So we'll drop down to chapter 50, the word that the Lord spoke concerning Babylon. Now, Babylon was again the nation that fought against and conquered Jerusalem. This was God kind of old special uh, vengeance against the Babylonians for, you know, of course, Nebuchadnezzar's doing God's work. He was a, they referred to him as a servant of the Lord, not, not that he was doing God's, God's, um, and not that he was godly man, but he was doing God's will to punish um, Israel, to punish Jerusalem, to punish the house of Judah. But then God's going to punish Babylon for being so, um, um, for its, um, for the way he treated Israel. The first great world power, Babylon, the mightiest kingdom now. But it wasn't mighty because until God let it be mighty. That's what Jeremiah is saying. But now God's going to punish Babylon. Verse 1, chapter 50, The word that came to the Lord concerning Babylon, concerning the land of the Chaldeans, by Jeremiah the prophet. In verse 4, In those days, in that time, declares the Lord, the people of Israel and the people of Judah shall come together, weeping as they come, and they shall seek the Lord their God. They shall ask... The way to Zion with their faces turned toward it. He's saying all these people that are taken captive in Babylon, he kind of starts off by saying they're gonna come, they're gonna come back. Verse verse three, for out of the north a nation has come up against her, which shall make her land a desolation, and none shall dwell in it. Both man and beast shall flee away. This is what he's talking about. Babylon. In verse 9, For behold, I am stirring up and bringing against Babylon a gathering of great nations from the north country, and they shall array themselves against her. From there she will be taken. Their arrows are like a skilled warrior who does not return empty-handed. Chaldea shall be plundered. All who plunder her shall be stated, declares the Lord. Sated. Satisfied. Verse 13, because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited, but shall be an utter desolation. Everyone who passes by Babylon shall be appalled. Now, in Babylon right now, that's kind of modern day Iraq. And there's just a lot of desert, wasted country in this area even today. Verse 17, Israel is a hunted sheep driven away by lions. First the king of Syria devoured him, and now at last Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has gnawed his his bones. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing punishment on the king of Babylon and his land as I punish the king of Syria. So, as McGee points out, Media Persia now will be the nation to come in and destroy Babylon. And of course, as we'll learn in Daniel, the the Persian king, the Media Persian king, King Cyrus, 
is going to be fascinated because back in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesied that Cyrus would be the one to let the Israel uh, Israelites go back home. And that's what Cyrus ends up doing. He lets them go home after he invades and conquers Babylon. He lets the these people go back. Verse 26, Come against her from every quarter. Open, uh, open her granaries. Pile up her like heaps of grain and devote her to destruction. Let nothing be left of her. 28, A voice, they flee and escape from the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, vengeance for his temple. So Babylon is going to get overtaken, and eventually there's this promise in here that the people get to come home. And now we drop down to chapter 51, and I'll start in verse 5. For Israel and Judah have not been forsaken by their God, the Lord of hosts, but the land of the Chaldeans is full of guilt against the Holy One of Israel. So in other words, uh, now again, um, this promise that God's going to protect some of the people and they're going to be able to come out of Babylon and come back home. Verse 8, Suddenly Babylon has fallen and been broken. Wail for her. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. Verse 25, Behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, declares the Lord, which destroys the whole earth. I will stretch out my hand against you and roll you down from the crags and make you a burnt mountain. No stone shall be taken from you for a corner and no stone for a foundation, but you shall be a perpetual waste, declares the Lord. Again, God's vengeance, God's judgment on Babylon. And the old city of Babylon still is there today. Nobody lives in the old city of Babylon. It's a ruin. It's still a ruin today. Chapter, I mean, verse 36. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, I will plead your cause and I will take vengeance for you. I'll dry up her sea and make her fountain dry. And Babylon shall become a heap of ruins, a haunt of jackals, a horror, and a hissing without inhabitant. And remember when we studied Isaiah? Isaiah prophesied against Babylon as well. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 20 said Isaiah will never be inhabited or lived in for all generations. And the old city, if you Google it, if you go to Google Earth and Google the old city of Babylon, you can still see that old city is a ruin today. It's Archaeologists are there, you know, looking at it, but nobody wants to live there. And then we look in uh, chapter 52. We drop down... And uh, we'll drop down to, to the, the last few verses here. Um, verse 31. And in the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiachin, king of Judah. And this is the last of the bloodline of the, of the kings of the house of David. Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 25th day of the month, evil... Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. 
And he spoke kindly to him and gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin put off his prison garments, and every day of his life he dined regularly at the king's table. And for his allowance, a regular allowance was given to him by the king according to his daily needs until the day of his death as long as he lived. So interesting here that Jehoiachin, the last line of the the house of David, um, you know, was in prison and then he gets let out of prison. And so um, he ends up, you know, he dies. He doesn't go back. And, you know, as Jeremiah's prophecy says, none of his line would ever be king, you know, again. And um, who who knows what the, the motive of this um this Babylonian king was that lets him out of prison and feeds him very well maybe he was you know you know sorry that he was in or he realized that he was a he was a king and he wanted to sort of treat him like a king or maybe he felt like that would somehow um um quell any revolt from the people who were still living there that that he would uh, you know that the that the Israeli people who were um the Jewish people who were living there at the time would respect him more if he treated their king better who knows who knows what the motive was but that was the last bloodline of the royal uh, house of David now of course the prophecy was is that there was going to be a king coming from the house of David but so the people were probably confused or um, they didn't understand. But on the other hand, uh, what really happened, what God would do, he would bring another bloodline from the house of David. And this would be from Nathan, another son of David. He was a more of a peasant, poor person from the house of David. He wasn't from this kingly you know, group. He was from the more humble group, but he still had a bloodline from the house of David. And that's where from Nathan, you have a descendant of Mary. That's where Mary comes from and the the house of Nathan, but also from the house of David. And then that's where Jesus comes from. So Jesus has that bloodline um, from the house of David, but on the other hand, not only Jesus has the bloodline, he has the authority from God in heaven as well because his father also is heavenly. So we conclude our study of Jeremiah here. I hope it was was a good study for you. I learned so much. It was just great to walk through this uh, with you. So now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I can't wait to hear your take on this as well. Matali, of course, is podcasting from Zambia, um, this same material, so that we get the perspective from America and Africa. And uh, I think tomorrow we'll be starting with Lamentations. This is sort of a, a book also. It's been called The Wailing Wall of the Bible. Um, and it some people feel that uh, Jeremiah wrote it, and some people feel probably, you know, maybe he didn't. But in any event, it's to emphasize uh, this book, how much Jerusalem suffered. It sort of, it it, it sort of has this um, writing time very close to 
Jerusalem's fall, that's when Jeremiah was living. Jeremiah was the prophet that kind of witnessed the fall of Jerusalem. So it's kind of Jeremiah part two, you know, if you could look at it. So it's a very um, logical place for us to start. I've never read Lamentations, so I can't wait to go through this with you as well. So looking forward to that tomorrow. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to Matali. Take it away, Matali. Hello. So today we conclude in the book of Jeremiah and our teaching is beginning from Jeremiah chapter 49 verse 7 all the way to chapter 52 to verse 34. So here it's been a great study in Jeremiah and there's been a lot of lessons that I have learned and you know there's been a lot of of um of things that I didn't know about that I know and now I can actually dot it and connect it to, you know, other books in scripture. So here, this has been a great prophetic book and it's evidence that God is moving amongst us and our God is a living God. And if we are to apply it in our local situation today, you know, comparing it to the people of Judah Jeremiah had constantly prophesied and warned them to change their wicked ways and to turn to God, to trust Him and obey Him. And this is what's happening today. Uh, You find people are constantly living a life that's reckless and that's godless. And, you know, people have hardened hearts and they are not obeying, trusting and believing in God and and um, you know you can tell God's movement and and God's judgment in our local situation today by um, you know it we can actually relate to it in history there's been you know um, ancient civilizations that have ceased to exist that are no more you can you can tell uh, God's judgment in nature um, you know, you can see the bloody claw in nature that we have today and uh, the injustices that we have in our societies today. So, you know, there's been so many teaching points in this particular book for me. So here we see the remnant who went to Egypt, you know, made a mistake into going to Egypt because they disobeyed God when he told them not to go to Egypt. He told them it's not going to work out for um, they're good. They were running away from the war in um, Jerusalem, but the the war had actually ended there, and you know there was no nation that was actually going to go there and try and um, you know fight them. The war had ended there, and where they were headed to Egypt, that's where um, Nebuchadnezzar was taking the war. That was. Um, he was taking the war to, 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 to Egypt, to Pharaoh in Egypt. So the war was over in Israel and, you know, no enemy wanted to go um, there and take that particular land because that land um, had been run over. And they, it had actually absolutely been run over and they should have stayed and actually built it up. You know, this is what God had actually told them to do, but they didn't. Uh, listen, so they run off to Egypt where the war was actually moving to and Nebuchadnezzar's next campaign was against Egypt, which, um, you know, which he took 
and he got these people for like a second time. So they suffered and they thought they were going to get away from war and hunger as, um, you know, this is was, this was actually their thinking. You know, they were looking to a place where they could actually get refuge. But, you know, they were looking everywhere else but up. And today, you know, if we sink to that particular level, you know, actions, our attitudes, our goals, if we're just seeing, you know, um, we, we actually exclude God from everything that we do. And, you know, we're just seeking our own desires and leave God out of it. Um, you know, it, it, then we're doomed. Then we come to a point where we're actually doomed. And, you know, um, we, we are not basing anything on the fact that, you know, we would have to um, look to God for help and look to God for the truth and look to God to be our guide and we just seek our own understanding. Um, you know, this is the outcome. You know, a nation is doomed if, if, if a nation just seeks to their own wisdom and understanding and not uh, follow God. Look at what happened to this particular remnant. You know, when we move away um, from this, then we have sunk to you know a low level when we move away from god then we have sunk to actually a low level that um, won't bring us peace or plenty so history has taught us that and history has taught us this very well so we begin at verse 7 of chapter 49 and uh, it reads um we have a prophecy here against edom and it reads against edom thus says the lord of hosts is wisdom no more in Teman has counsel perished from the prudent, has their wisdom vanished. So here the prophecies against Edom. So these people could have, um, you know, no hope or help from any nation around because God was judging all of them. So Edom was related to Israel in a way, actually, because um, Esau and Jacob were brothers and um, two nations came from these two men. So Edom came from Esau. And, um, and, and, and Israel came from Jacob. So they were not friendly to each other, but um, Edom had become a great nation. So God had said this would take place. So Edom would become a great nation. And Edom was a place that acted as, um, um, you know, as a bank depository for other nations. You know, um, Babylon had a bank account with Edom. So you know, they were securing people's money. So it was a great nation. And God was going to take all the greatness they had actually enjoyed in Edom. So which largely depended on the nations around them. So, um, you know, because God was judging the other nations around them, that they were keeping um, their wealth and their depository for. And um, Edom was going to actually fall. So um, I'll drop down to verse 13 which reads, <clears throat> For I have sworn by myself, says the Lord, that Bozrah shall become a desolation, a reproach, a waste, and a curse, and all its cities shall be perpetual wastes. So here, Bozrah is Edom. So God was actually going to judge all these nations. So dropping down to verse 16 of chapter 49, it reads, Your fierceness has deceived you the pride of your heart O you who dwell in the clefts of the rock who hold the height of the hill though 
you make your nest as high as an eagle, I will bring you down from there, says the Lord. So here, you know, what God is what God says about um this is what God says about this place and um you know they he 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 proclaimed judgment upon them and you know because they were prideful and you know they felt you know they made it on their own without God so it's not inhabited uh, anymore and it's um uh, it will like um Dr. David McGee pointed out we will get a full prophecy of Edom in the book of Ezekiel of what exactly happened so uh dropping down to verse 16 sorry verse 17 um it reads Edom also shall be an astonishment everyone who goes by it will be astonished and will hiss at all its plagues verse 18 as in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighbors says the Lord no one shall remain there nor shall a son of man dwell in it so edom is inhabited is uninhabited so it's a city that was actually hewn out from a rock so it was between like two like rocks and um you know it can't be destroyed and um you know it's a city um in uh, existence that can't be destroyed it's 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 hewn out of a rock like you know you make something out of a like a a rock a cave so god says it will not be inhabited and it's not today and 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 prophecy actually says that you know this is proof of you know that the word of god is actually you know the true and living word of god the bible because prophecy god says uh, it's not it was not going to be inhabited and it's not inhabited people have tried to go there and camp there um you know the asians have gone there to try and camp there the germans i think um had actually gone there and tried to colonize it and you know the what not and it just hasn't worked out so um dropping down to verse 20 of chapter 49 it reads therefore hear the counsel of the lord that has taken against edom and his purposes that he has proposed against the inhabitants the inhabitants of teman surely the least of the flock shall draw them out surely he shall make their dwelling places desolate with them so here prophecies um we have prophecies against two very prosperous um places oh, sorry so the city sorry um i'm going ahead of myself so sorry verse 20 so this city um has become desolate and the nation um of Edom has actually disappeared because the other nations you know Edom became prosperous because of its um you know financial depositories and 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 you know the other nations around it actually collapsed um and so, so Edom collapsed and it's 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 it has disappeared so um verse 23 of chapter 49 goes on to read um it's a prophecy against Damascus here um so here it reads against Damascus Hamath and Arpad are shamed for they have heard bad news they are faint-hearted there is trouble on the sea it cannot be quiet so here um you know it's 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 this prophecy is concerning Damascus which is said to be um you know Damascus is actually said to be the oldest city though you know there's other cities that <clears throat> are they you know people and scholars argue are are older 
So um, here it's a prophecy against Damascus, which um, also um, came into God's judgment. So the city would be destroyed and it actually has been destroyed and um, it hasn't changed its name today like uh, most of the cities have changed their names and um, is the capital of Syria today. So dropping down to verse 26, it reads, Therefore her young men shall fall in her streets and all the men of war shall be cut off in that day, says the Lord of hosts. So here, you know, the prophecies is against two very prosperous places. Um, I will drop down in scripture and read. Um, that's in um, verse 28, actually. And um, these are Kedar and Hazor. So against Kedar and Hazor and against the king. So, so against Kedar and against the kingdoms of Hazor, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, shall strike. Thus says the Lord, arise go up to Kedah and devastate the men of the east. So here, um, these are prosperous nations. That's Kedah and the, and the kingdoms of Hazar. So Nebuchadnezzar smited these kingdoms. So dropping down to verse 34 of chapter 49, it reads, The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet against Elam, in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the foremost of their might. So here it's a prophecy against Elam as well. So there was no place for actually these remnants to go. All these places that they were looking for help for. You know, they were looking around them, but they were not looking up to God. So um, you know, you know, all these nations are to suffer as, you know, they actually lack faith. And the remnants looked in every direction, but they did not look to God for um, help. And they did not, you know, obey and trust God. And, um, you know, this is why they made it off to Egypt. And, um, you know, an interesting fact that was actually pointed out in the study is, you know, these remnants, they keep going to Egypt. And, you know, it just doesn't work out well for them. Abraham went to Egypt. Isaac went to Egypt, Jacob went to Egypt, Joseph, his son, went to Egypt, you know. So you have, you have sons, grandsons, great-grandsons, great-great-grandsons. They have always been lured to go to Egypt, but it just never pans out well for them. Like, Egypt is not a trusted ally where they can run to, and they just never listen to God. And, you know, um, you know it's so strange. So uh, here, now we move on. Um, in chapter 50 and chapter 51... These are prophecies um, of the nation um, that uh, at this time was the top nation. So it's a prophecy um, at this time was a um, top nation. And this is Babylon, which was the first world great power. So it's a nation that will be destroyed. And, um, you know, here, you know, we just kind of went through the high notes. I'll just go through the high notes that... Uh, Dr. J.B. McGee actually went through. So we started chapter 50, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord spoke against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Um, so here God says Babylon is going to be destroyed. So we drop down in scripture, verse 4. It reads, In those days and in that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together with continual weeping, 
they shall come and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces towards it, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. So here, you know, this is way down into the future now. Um, it hasn't yet um, occurred, but it's way down into the future. And God says he intends to actually destroy Babylon. And he has actually done that. And God's children will go back to the land, to the Lord. And um, today, not everyone has actually gone back to the Lord. So this is a prophecy way into the future. And it's also, um, you know, a prophecy that has happened. That was the destruction of Babylon. So we drop down to verse 9 and it reads, For behold, I will raise and curse I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall array themselves um, against her. From there he shall, she shall be captured. Their arrows shall be like those of an expert warrior. None shall return in vain. So here, you know, uh, Medea, Persia, Medea Persia came down and destroyed Babylon. So it was with, you know, a very um, tactful maneuver that um, uh, Gobrius, I think, yeah, was able to take these people. Gobrinus, actually. <laughs> yeah, uh, Gobrinus was able to actually take these people, and he did take them. He, um, so here we have uh, Medea of Persia, Medea Persia, rather, um, so, and, and, and under Gobrinus, Brinas. Um, he was the one who was able to actually take down um, the great nation of Babylon. So we drop down to verse 13 of chapter 50, which reads, um, Because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited, but she shall be wholly desolate. Everybody who goes by Babylon shall be horrified and hiss at all her plagues. So here, you know, this prophecy has literally been fulfilled um if you go to where babylon once stood it's just a big pile of nothing um you know this once great nation that um that stood there and you know was boastful of its might and you know was unfaithful and did not obey God and did not believe in God. And they felt, you know, they are standing at their own intelligence and, you know, their own cleverness. They were um, absolutely destroyed. So dropping down in scripture, verse 17 reads, Israel is like scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First the king of Assyria devoured him. Now, at last, this Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, has broken his bones verse 18 therefore thus says the lord um, of hosts the god of israel behold i will punish the king of babylon and his land as i have punished the king of assyria so here god punished the king of babylon and assyria and this prophecy was literally actually fulfilled so dropping down to verse 26 of chapter 50 it reads, um, come against her from the farthest border, open her storehouses, cast her up as heaps of ruins and destroy her utterly. Let nothing of her be left. So we are told here that judgment will come in the future and it will be, you know, utter destruction. So Babylon today is a heap 
of debris. There's nothing. And um, verse 28 goes on to read, The voice of those who flee and escape from the land of Babylon declares in Zion the vengeance of our God, of the Lord our God, the vengeance of his temple. So here, um, you know, there is report of the destruction of Babylon and um, it is to be announced in Zion and the destruction um, of Zion is compared to the destruction, oh sorry, the destruction of, what am I saying? The destruction of Babylon actually is to com be compared with the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, which was absolutely destroyed by, um, you know, God's judgment. So verse 38 um, to 40 goes on to read, A drought is against her waters and they will be dried up. For it is the land of carved images, and they are insane with their idols. Therefore, the wild desert beasts shall dwell there with the jackals, and the ostriches shall dwell in it. Uh, it shall be inhabited no more forever, nor shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation, as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighbors, says the Lord, so no one shall reside there, no son of man dwell in it. This is the true living word of God, because no man dwells in Babylon. It's an, an inhabited place. And, um, and here, you know, we see that this destruction is actually true. And, um, um, and then um, in chapter 42, it goes on to read, They shall hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and shall not show mercy. Their voice shall roar like the sea. They shall ride on horses, set in array like a man for the battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. So here, um, the very name I made a mistake. So that this is um, um, Medea Persia. So, you know, this is what, um, his name is Gobrias, um, the maiden. This is what he actually did when he entered the city. He was cruel and just um, utterly destroyed um, Babylon. And, you know, there was no coming back. That land is desolate and not inhabited. It's just inhabited by jackals and ostriches and wild beasts. No one can actually inhabit that place. So now we move on to chapter 52, and here in chapter 52, we see a continuation that Babylon is to be suddenly destroyed, and this is seen um, uh, more in more detail in Daniel chapter 5. So here, verse 5 of chapter 51 reads, For Israel is not forsaken, nor Judah, by this God, by his God and the Lord of hosts, though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. So God's not done with this nation. He's not done. And uh, verse 8 goes on to read of chapter 51, Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Wail for her. Take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. So here, this is, um, you know, it's a place of desolation, desolation and this prophecy has actually been fulfilled. So verse 25 and 26 of... Chapter 51 goes on to read, Behold, I am against you, O 
destroying mountain who destroys all earth, says the Lord, and I will stretch out my hand against you, roll you down from the rocks and make you a burnt mountain. You shall not take from, they shall not take from you a stone for a corner, nor a stone for a foundation, but you shall be desolate forever, says the Lord. So God, this is God's word concerning Babylon. And it continues on in verse 36 and verse 37, which actually reads, Babylon shall become a heap of a dwelling place for, for jackals and astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. Therefore, or they shall roar together like lions. They shall growl like lions whelps so um sorry verse 37 verse 36 and verse 37 sorry it actually continues therefore thus says the lord behold i will plead your case and take vengeance for you i will dry up her sea and make her springs dry babylon shall become a heap of uh, a dwelling place for jackals and astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant so um this prophecy has actually been fulfilled god's judgment and wrath came upon Babylon because they were crazy with idols and and they believed in their own um their own ambitions and they had their own goals and they left God out of everything and then here we move on now to the last chapter and that's chapter 52 of the book of Jeremiah and here we looked at this when we looked at the destruction of Jerusalem and the Jehoiachin so he was taken into captivity and he's the last of the line of David and it was him that God said no one of the line of um, Cornea, that's Jehoiachin, will sit on the throne. This was like a harsh judgment that God made and um, he actually died in Babylon. So here we have a at, at uh, verse 31 and 30 to 34 of chapter 52 it reads um, now it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin king of Judah in the 12th month on the 25th day of the month that evil Merodach king of Babylon in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him and gave him uh, a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed from his prison garments, and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. And... As for his provisions, there was a regular ration given um, him by the king of Babylon, a portion of each day until the day of his death, all the days of his life. So this ends the line of David through Solomon. So no one in this line will sit on the throne of David, but another line, and that's um, the line of Nathan, um, another son of David, um, and Mary came in the same in that same line. So Jesus was born in that line, in the line of Nathan. So that was the end of the line of David through um, Jehoiachin, um, the son of Solomon. And um, because they, he did not trust and they did not obey God, 
and um, you know they've depended on thy own understanding and you know we we tend to see this a lot in our local situation today um, you know God is moving among us but we do not want to see it and we do not want to believe it and we keep on um, you know living a reckless godless life um, and you know it's gonna self-destruct you know there's just gonna be no more remedy you know that that cup of fury is gonna overflow and you know we can see God's judgment in nature we can see uh, God's judgment in history but we just a hardened generation who do not want to learn and listen so this has been a great study I really enjoyed it. I hope you all enjoyed the book of Jeremiah as much as I did. I learned so much. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant Friday. Bye-bye.